Hello and welcome to NCEA Podcast. This is Kevin Baxter, the Chief Innovation Officer for the National Catholic Educational Association. And welcome to uh, the podcast for this week. I am uh, honored to have uh, Lillian Petzold uh, join me. She is the president of uh, Notre Dame Academy Schools of Los Angeles. Lillian is a longtime friend and colleague of mine, uh, and she also heads up the schools that was awarded with uh, the President's Award this year for, from NCEA for Innovation at the convention that we didn't have in Baltimore, but we wanted to have Lillian on to talk a little bit about that. So Lillian, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Kevin, and I'm actually really excited. We've had so many great conversations over the years, and every time I talk to you, I, I get even more charged up to do even more innovative things and things in leadership, so I'm excited about this. So, so Lily and I go back. We were principals together at uh, sister schools, uh, and so we got to know each other well then, and then we've maintained a, a great relationship and, and very much push each other in the area of, I'd say in the areas of leadership and innovation, which we're going to talk about yep. today in a bit more depth. But first, Lillian, I want you to ha- take an opportunity to talk a little bit about Notre Dame Academy, maybe a little bit of background on the school and, um, and just your role there at the school and your history there at the school. Yeah. So I'm actually an alum of Notre Dame Academy. I went to school there for 12 years. I returned to Notre Dame first as a parent with my two daughters graduating from the elementary school and the high school. And then I returned 10 years ago as the principal of the elementary school and then later the principal of both the elementary and the high school when it became one school. And now I'm the president of the school. So it is definitely um, a special thing to be able to go back to your alma mater and you know, a school that really has raised you and your, and your entire family and to lead that school into the future. And so, um, and before that, when I was at the sister school with you, that sister school was the very first school that the Sisters of Notre Dame started in 1920. So I've actually um, spent most of my life with the Sisters of Notre Dame, and now I am leading it as the president. So um, Notre Dame Academy is an elementary school that is a TK through uh, eighth grade co-ed school on one side of the campus. And the other side of the campus is an all girls high school. Uh, So it's got two missions within a mission, and both of them are about transformation uh, for the future and about really developing leaders and preparing uh, girls and students to make a difference in the world. And uh, we've done so much work in in the past. Talk a little bit about your mindset and how you approach education today, especially with, you know, all of new technology and new ways of approaching it and um, and trying to stay relevant and fresh and forward thinking, yeah. but also honoring that, that great tradition that the sisters bring and that you've been formed in and that you really understand well. So that, that one foot in the side of tradition and the other foot looking forward. Well, it's funny that you put it that way because when I got to NDA at 10 years ago as the elementary school principal, I said to everyone, and I've repeated this thousands of times, we will be the Catholic school of the future. And people always ask me, well, what does that mean? And for me, Catholic school of the future means that we're going to strengthen our Catholic traditions and the things that made Catholic school really special. Like, you know, how you wear your uniform at NDA is important. And even the way you set up your paper and all those old traditions, all of the, you pray when you walk into the classroom and you walk out of the classroom, all of the spiritual traditions, all of the fun traditions. It feels very much like the Catholic school that I went to way back. 
But then we said of the future and we said, we've got to stay relevant. We've got to be current. We've got to be up to date and 21st century. And we said that 10 years ago. And I think 10 years later, one of the things we've been talking about lately and when we won this award is we've, we've kept our promise that we would be the Catholic school of the future because you can come to NDA and you get the values and the religion, and the traditions and the special little detail, but you do it in a very 21st century environment which is, uh, is the way that I think that Catholic schools are going to need to run for the future. People are looking for both things, you know. Absolutely. And um, then talk a little bit about the award. So you applied for this award for, uh, from NCEA, and the, the theme of the award was innovation. And, and what inspired uh, you and the school to apply for it? And what do you want to highlight? Okay, well, first of all, the award um, came up because We've been doing a lot of work in the area of 21st century, like a lot of schools, and we've been looking at how do you design a school that prepares students for that you know, unknown world and a career that hasn't even been defined, that workforce of the future. And but how do you do it with an understanding of like millennials and Gen Zers and understanding that realm? So we did a lot of research, we went and looked at independent schools and, and private schools and all sorts of out of the box schools to see what we started with, what is the definition of a 21st century school. We also looked at a lot of businesses, like one of the businesses that we looked at was the Google Aristotle project. And we made the decision that we were gonna be uh, not only a school where you're learning in a 21st century environment, but that every employee would be working in a 21st century environment and that we would model ourselves after these businesses that are doing that with the creative spaces and the design thinking in the way that we make decisions as a faculty, how we run our, our meetings, how we make um, things happen on our campus. And so we've done so many things that somebody said, you know, you should apply for that innovation award because it is the idea of leading into the future in a very different way with a business model or a 21st century work environment for the adults as well um, that are working simultaneously with the, with the students. So we've done a lot with leadership building and leadership capacity, design thinking. We've redone our entire schedule so that the teachers have that 20% think time um, like Google has. We've put in uh, several new programs like an innovation lab and a disruptive innovation class, but we've also put in electives. We've updated our electives to be more up to date. Um, we're redefining the experience on a school campus and that instead of it being just about grades and scores, it's about habits of mind, it's about your growth mindset, and the six C's of you know, innovation and those six C's of 21st century skills that you need to be successful in the workplace. And so that's what's been weaved into everything that we do now. And it's not just about getting a, an A on your, you know, on your report card or things like that. So I think that we've really redefined what's important to us on the campus. And, and you know, I know there's some examples of that, too, because I think one of the things that, that I know you're thinking about a lot, I think about a lot, is the world that, that our students are going to be going into mm -hmm. and how it's not the world that we, you know, we came into whenever we came into it out of college, yep. how many years ago? And you've done a, you did a good presentation um, when I was superintendent about, I think it was you, your daughter and your niece oh, yeah. and kind of did that comparison. And I don't know if you remember those details or not. I think it's a really great image of what our challenge is in education today to recognize that we're 
we're not just preparing kids the way we learned. We have to prepare them to be learners for the future. And mm -hmm. it's so hard to kind of think about that skill set, those 21st century, you know, communication and problem solving and, and being kind of kind and being able to interpersonally work with others and all those, mm -hmm. those crucial skills. So I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it's really, I have two things to say about that. The first one is I did do a comparison. My cousins went to NDA back in the late 60s, early 70s. I went in the 80s. My daughters were there in like the 90s and 2000s. And my I have a niece that's right now at Gonzaga University. And all of us kind of went through the same NDA. Like the Notre Dame Academy stayed relatively the same all the way through. And all of a sudden, I now have a niece and I was able to show the differences. But I have a niece who's now going into her senior year. And her four years of high school at NDA have been very different because of the rate of change and because of the way that you need to learn now. It's not about content only. It's more about the skills. It's more about the application, um, where she is headed and what she needs to know to be able to be successful in college and beyond is completely different than my niece who is now going into her junior year in college and also graduated from NDA. So I was able to show like, wow, all these years of a whole family going to one school and nothing really changed that much. And in the last three or four years, it's been an exponential amount of change. It's unbelievable. And I think the second thing I'd say about that that's been really interesting for us on distance learning and all of the, you know, how we, we had 10 years of work and two days to pivot for distance learning with COVID-19. And one of the things I've been telling people is, um, we are all living in an authentic performance assessment task in this moment where we've had to, where we've gotten a real life kind of jolt or like, hey, wake up. You have to be able to apply all these 21st century skills. It wasn't about the content that you knew if you were going to be successful in this new environment. So um, I think it's really changed a lot. And, you know, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but that rate of change point you are making, mm -hmm. that's that's the remarkable piece. Because if you yep. look at other uh, innovations over the last hundred years, things like the phone or the radio or TV yeah. and how long it took them to kind of saturate within the society and the market, they were measured in decades, maybe, or at least mm -hmm. years. And now we see that rate and that pace of change being so dramatic, you know, for a long time, we were still, the iPhone was less than 10 years old. Now we're yeah. over 10 years, I think for the iPhone, but, mm -hmm. but, but still you just see these things and, and how quickly like social media for students shifts as far as what they're engaged with regarding platforms and that learning pace of change is really hard for adults um, yes. sometimes, but us as educators, we have to recognize that that's what students need us to do. We need to prepare them for that, for that world. Well, and I would say, so that's been the interesting thing about what's happened at NDA is that we decided that, you know, everybody's talking about creating a 21st century learning environment for the students. But I think where we've been successful and it's, we're not done by any stretch of the imagination is that we realized that it, it's more difficult for the adults than the kids, right? So we've realized that we've had to create the same experience for the adults as we are experience, uh, creating for the students. When I did that um, uh, Innovating Catholic Schools presentation that you're talking about, uh, one of the things that I said was that up until recently, a new computer would come out or a new thing would come out, 
whether it was a Game Boy or it was a computer or a, a new book would come out and a parent would be the one or new information would come out and we would be, the adults would be the ones telling the student, hey, this is something to, I'm going to teach you how to use this computer. I'm going to teach you about this app. I'm going to teach you about this thing. And in the last few years, and my niece is a good example of this, that's a, going into her senior year, it's in the hands of the students and they know it and the adults are trying to catch up. And when the adult catches up, they're already on to the next thing. So it's flipped. The roles have flipped, right? So, but adults are not used to that change, that rate of change. They're waiting to read the directions, right? So we've really had to help our teachers work in an environment where it's about the skills and not necessarily what you know. It's about being a flexible thinker, critical thinker, how you collaborate, how you communicate. Um, it's about working in teams and that diversity of thought and not about one person, you know, um, knowing all the answers. So yeah. it's been equally as difficult to get that place, that space for adults to learn that, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's the big challenge oftentimes is that the students have it down. It's the adults mm -hmm. who, are, who are constantly trying to catch up. Yeah. You know, the other thing I know you've been intentional about at NDA is that innovation can't just be ideas and process. It has to be structure. And I know you've thought a lot about the structure of the school day or the mm -hmm. structure of your administrative team or the structure of how a really a K-12, you know, I know there are two different, you know, kind of realities on the elementary campus and the high school campus, but how that structure needs to be set up. And so what, yeah. what have you kind of learned about that um, in terms of your work there? Well, I think, you know, on a school level for the students, we have redesigned the schedule at both the, um, the element, well, at the elementary school, middle school and high school, the schedules are all new. And this year we're about to implement the high school schedule. So that one is very, very new. But we, the high school schedule, what we decided was instead of trying to fit new programs into the existing schedule, let's make, let's flip this thing. For a long time, we're a landlocked school. And for a long time, people were like, well, until we build a building, we can't change the schedule because it won't work. And what we realized was for, we were always worried about space. Instead, what we've decided is, let's think about time in a different way. So why does every student have to be in class at the same time? Well, as soon as we acknowledge that it's not about being in class at the same time, or that it has to be fit into the old building in the old way, all of a sudden we have a lot more space, which opened up our schedule to have community time, office hours, time for collaboration, think time uh, spaces, spaces to you know collaborate and all of that so we went from focusing on space to focusing on rethinking time so there's been a lot of redesigning of schedules so that teachers are collaborating at the exact same time so like our middle school teachers teach four days a week and on the fifth day that 20 percent is out of the classroom collaborating and that took some creative thinking um, and changing our budgets and changing our tuition and changing our structure um, on the business side as well. Our elementary school teachers, their prep times are with their aides so that they're thinking about how to differentiate and how to do more hands-on instruction when they are planning together. Um, in terms of our organizational chart, we, a lot of people um, thought we were kind of crazy because we've changed our org chart a few times and, you know, 
adjusted it over a couple of years and um, we redesigned it in a way that's not traditional. People were like, well, what's that name of that title of that thing? And we finally decided, no, design for what you are trying to do, not for existing titles um, and existing ways of doing things. So we're not looking at somebody else's org chart. We're going to design, design the positions that we need at our school for what we are trying to achieve, for what our results are going to be. Um, so that took a couple of years of massaging that and changing titles and changing things around. Uh, and now we have those support systems and those pieces in place to support the programs and the learning and the way we want to have our campus run. You know. Great, great. I want to, um, we'll keep talking about this, of course, but transition a little bit to leadership. And I want to talk about uh, the coronavirus and the impact it's obviously had across the country, but but specifically your experience at Notre Dame Academy. We were chatting the other day and I thought, um, you know, I, I actually put, I think we are similar thinkers in some ways in that, in that we tend to be um, like really excited about new things, really excited about new ideas, excited about um, innovation, excited about creativity. And, and so we can get talking a lot. And when we were chatting the other day, I said, you know, one of the things I'm feeling from principals and from superintendents is the planning is so hard for the future because uh -huh. you have to have about, you know, five different plans based on are we in person or are we remote? Are yep. we going back and forth? Uh, what system are we going to use? What's the, and, and I imagine that's got to be a big challenge um, just to try to think through all those different possibilities and stay focused on uh, obviously um, the primary purpose of, of making sure you're educating, oh, educating yeah. the kids. Yeah. Yeah. We, in fact, today we're in uh, curriculum design week this week with our, with trainers and with different people. And, People keep asking me what the plan is, and it's really difficult because you can't give people the plan yet. And even within a plan, we have several variations of possibilities, and some of them are very similar to what you've heard on the news. Um, but even within those, there's multiple hybrids that you could have, and that makes it tricky. But what we ended up doing is, the thing that's keeping us sane in all of this is that we decided to establish some core beliefs and core principles or guiding principles that we're gonna work for. So towards. So we've decided that it needs, for example, to whatever we do in, in August needs to move education forward and keep the students moving forward. Um, and we talked about what will that mean on the academic side and what do we need to do on academics. The second thing we decided that is that whatever we come up with, it has to meet the social emotional needs of our students, whether it's stay at home or whether it's be on campus, what are those social emotional things that are gonna to have to be locked in place so that we can ensure that we meet that goal. And then the other one that we talked about was it's gotta meet obviously safety for employees, students, and every single person on the campus, whatever we decide. And then the last one was that we wanna ensure that our faith component is still alive and vibrant in whichever one we do. And how do you do that one half the kids are at home, half the kids are at school, or whatever is gonna be interesting. But, um, so we decided to do that. We've put together teams, we've done surveys, focus groups. So our plans are starting to have a framework to them, but at least we have a list of things that we're gonna check it against to make sure that we're gonna be true to our, to what we're, what's important to our community. Um, yeah, and then I know we were, um we're having this conversation about 
decision making. And we and we say a lot of times, you know, that, and there's been a lot of research on this, but that the number of micro decisions that you yes. make each day can really tire you out. It's one of the reasons why people in leadership positions sometimes at the end of the day, they're just utterly exhausted because they've made so many kind of small, what might seem in, in and of themselves an insignificant decision, but they just build up and build up and build up. And you and you can tell the story, but you were on campus oh, yeah. trying, to think, trying to think through some of this stuff and, and, and kind of this hit home for you. So why don't you tell that? Yeah, I took a team of, te- you know, most of us have been working from home on Zoom where you don't have a mask on. You can eat anytime you want in front of anybody you want. You could touch anything you want. And so I took a team of people to school to do a strategic planning meeting for the innovation program. And I thought, you know what, let's do it in the gym. We're going to sit really far apart. Everyone will have their own table. And then in the afternoon, we're going to go into classrooms and measure furniture and check things out and start planning for next year. And I, all, my entire team went home. One person went home with a migraine. One person went home and took a nap. I went home and had a drink. <laughs> you know, it was just so much. And I think what I learned on that day is that there are so many little things you have to think about to be on the campus next year. Like if we're sitting this far apart, do I have to have my mask on or do I take off my mask? Or if they walk into my office, do I have to put my mask on right away, even if they're still only standing at the door? Um, Which direction can we walk? Let's walk around each other. Um, If the tech person comes in to touch my computer, what is the protocol to clean that computer? Another one that we got stuck on was, um, you know, even hearing each other. How many times during one meeting we had to say, what did you say? What did you say? Either because we were really far apart or because we had the mask on. And what I realized was the tiring part wasn't going back to work and spending a day at work. The exhausting uh, experience that we had was more about the thousands of tiny little decisions that we had to be worried about ongoing um it was just crazy and what we realized is that as leaders we're going to have to really define protocols so that people can feel like you know whether it's a really tight protocol or a loose protocol but that they they don't have to be thinking about it that it's just clear and they can move on with their day if they're going to come back on the campus it was really hard for everybody yeah yeah and I could just imagine that because it does, it just, it's those things you don't even think about that at the end of the day, you feel, you feel yeah. exhausted about. And you I think they- the one thing I would say also that I've realized is as leaders, when we show up on a campus, I get out of my car in the morning. Yeah, you have a plan, but you know, if you've been the principal of a school or a president or something like that, superintendent, yeah, that plan might be dictated by everybody else. Like it's a plan, but it could change at any moment. So you live in this very fluid um, responding to the needs of everyone and the responding to the uncertain all day long. But for teachers and students and parents, they don't live in that world. And I think that's been really hard. That's another underlying pressure that I think for us, we're used to it. We don't necessarily love it. We like to have our lists and things, but they're not used to that. So also being responsive to that anxiety and exhaustion of worry that normally if you're a leader, you're just, you've gotten used to it, I think is another one. Right. I remember my first year as a principal feeling like the stack of paperwork (laughs) on my desk was my work and I had to get it done. And the number of days I'd come in and say, I'm going to attack that pile of stuff. And and I'd leave at the end of the day after 12 hours and it wouldn't even have been touched. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) exactly. 
So people want answers. They want answers. They want to know this is how we're going to get it done. And we're used to the fact that we may never get it done. <laughs> but I think that's really wise to think about in terms of teachers aren't used to that, maybe necessarily. They have a more structured day yes. and an understanding of this is what the process is sure. going to be. And you yeah. could have like the kid who's going to throw up and throw up for your day or the you know emergency that's going to happen in your classroom when somebody gets sick but or something happens. But normally, you know, this is my day. These are the classes I'm going to teach. This is the way it's going to go. You know, I think this is going to be hard for them. One other uh, thing that's come up, you know, I've talked to principals and um, this mostly coming from principals, but I've talked to superintendents across the country, too. And assessment, you know, when we have this mm. distance learning and, and obviously we're all hoping we're going to be back in uh, on, you know, on site yeah. instruction as soon as possible, hopefully for next year. But um, assessment and I think about this in terms of high school specifically, but but mm -hmm. obviously it impacts the elementary. But you mentioned earlier, which I thought was a great line, that this process has caused adults uh, to be compelled to do authentic performance assessment <laughs> tasks every single day. Yeah. And um, and how do you think about assessment of students in this remote distance learning kind of context in terms of, you know, those authentic performance assessments or, or, or how do you gauge? Because people will say, how do you sure, you know, how do you give a test and how do they not cheat? We just saw what the AP did with their exams in the 45 minute window. And, and have you um, talked about that with your staff? Yeah. I mean, each, depending on which side of the campus you speak to, it's a little bit different because little kids versus middle school kids versus high school kids, there's been some variations to this across our campus, but it's definitely been a conversation. We do, I wouldn't say we have the perfect answer yet, but like I know at the high school level, we really reinforced our honor code. Videos were made and pushed out to students from teachers about the honor code. So we decided, you know what, if we're going to be a 21st century learning environment, we might give a traditional looking test or something that they're going to have to perform on. But we've also have to create a culture. We're trying to create more of a collegiate culture on our campus that we're also going to have to trust you and that we're going to have to, you know, depend on that honor code. So that's been one of the things. The other thing is that at both of the schools, the elementary school and the high school, we've changed some of our assessments so that they are more performance based or, you know, show me what you can do with less questions. Like we're going to ask you two questions or three questions. I was speaking to the Spanish three teacher the other day and she did all of her uh, final exams orally with each student individually um, where she, but she minimized it to the most essential and critical things that you wanted to assess. So I think people have been very creative in the way that they've taught kids, the students, you know, this is how you're going to show me what you know, right? So we've seen a lot more of the performance tasks, but we've also seen some traditional things um, and it's worked. It worked this year. That's great. That's great. Kind of coming up on our time here, but um, kind of the last question to, to really ask and we can spend time on it, but what are you excited about? I mean, we are obviously in the midst of this, crisis and mm -hmm. uh, challenges and all these things. But what over the next six to 12 months excites you about Catholic education or your specific work? And then maybe what's uh, what's on the horizon that you're a little bit worried about or concerned about um, in the next, again, six to 12 months? Oh my gosh, there's so many things I could say to those answers <laughs> to that question. I think what I'm excited about is I can't wait to see what happens after this, you know, because I, I kind of joked around like for the t last 10 years and my entire career uh, uh, from public school and Catholic school has been on professional development 
and you know you do all this work to try to say we got to be 21st century we got to meet the california standards for the teaching profession this is what that means here's how we need to do authentic assessments and i think that even though this situation came with many sad stories and a lot of stress and everything i think it's going to change the way that we um learn uh, on a on a much more authentic uh, basis like the sat is changing uh, the universities for the first time are going to change and so i'm actually really excited about what teaching and learning could look like in the classroom one of the things that i said to the teachers on the day that they were about to leave for distance learning is i said you know innovation is about fail and fail often and take those you know dare to fail and i said to them listen dare to fail try something don't be because everybody looks so worried and i said just try something the worst case scenario you you know, shut down your computer and take a break, you know, and the, just say the internet went out for a minute. <laughs> but this is our chance. This is our chance to apply all the things that we've been talking about for years. So I'm actually super excited to see what people do with it. You know, along those lines too, Lillian, what I'd, I, I've been saying too is that there are no experts in this exactly. right now because it's been so new for everybody. Yes. So everyone's trying to figure this out. So to be bold and to kind of take some risks and take some chances, yeah. that's okay because we're all trying to learn and, and no one's kind of doing this awesome, you know, <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. We're all trying to figure it out. So, so I'm excited to come back on the campus because I'm hoping that it's going to take it to another level. And I think it's created so many creative and innovative ideas. And it's not gonna be easy because not every kid is gonna get back on the campus. What if you have an underlying condition or something, you know? They're gonna have to stay, be, continue to be creative and collaborate and think about things critically. And, I, and what's been exciting is I've been watching a lot of Catholic schools do really innovative and great things. Like I think we, the Catholic schools have you know, risen to the occasion in many ways. Absolutely. And so I think it's, um, been an exciting conversation and it's created conversations amongst leaders of the Catholic uh, schools as well. So the collaboration, like when we talk about the six C's of 21st century, one of them is build it together versus side by side. And I think for a long time, we've been building this thing side by side. And this has forced people to tell a joint story and build it together while they're daring to fail and envisioning a future. So I think it's changing the way we're talking to each other and using each other as resources. And I think I think the, the one piece that everybody worries about um, the most is that change takes time and everything is a process, but in trying to make it happen, like we've got to make decisions by August. You could mm -hmm. lose families that are like, no, I'm out. Or you can, um, lose teachers who are like, this is too much, you know? So it's, cre I think the biggest thing I worry about is how do we really create a confidence and a trust in us that we're gonna keep our promise, that it's worth the value, that we're gonna take care of these kids and that we're going to ensure their education and their social emotional well-being in a very short amount of time, because by August, we've got to have that thing locked in, you know, whatever the plan is. Right, right. Well, this has been a, a great conversation, as uh, as our conversations always are. I, I <laughs> learn a lot from you, Lilium, and, uh, and so respect your leadership and, and what you've done at Notre Dame. So I just want to thank you so much for uh, for joining us on the podcast. Um, it's been a, it's been a joy. I, I love doing it and I always love talking to you, Kevin, because when we talk, we always get really excited about innovation and leadership. So anytime and uh, 
Thank you so much for inviting me. Great. This is uh, Kevin Baxter. Thanks for joining us for this uh, episode of the NCA podcast. Uh, uh, We will see you soon next week. Thanks very much. 